Has the story of your love life taken an unexpected plot twist? Well, this is the podcast that helps millennials rewrite the story of their love life by learning simple strategies for starting and maintaining a healthy relationship. Through candid and unscripted conversations, we provide tools to help navigate the twists and turns of dating and relationships. Are you ready to flip the script on your love life? If so, sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy another episode of the Love Unscripted Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Wilson. And I'm joined as always by my esteemed co-host, Dexter J. Tucker. What's going on, fam? How y'all feel out there? And this is the podcast where we have unscripted conversations with millennials about relationships and dating. So I hope you guys are having a good week. The sun is coming back out. It looks like the season is finally changing. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the weather is finally out of the cold, chilly, like spring, and it's starting to try to move into warmer weather. So... I just want to first thank everybody who's been listening and following and rocking with us. And man, if you missed last week, let me tell you, you missed a good one. We were joined by King Jay Barnett. Yes, he was on the podcast and we talked about what healing looks like for men. And a lot of times men have a lot of questions on what does the journey look like for us? There are all these stigmas and stereotypes around our healing process, but what does it look like for real? What can I expect and how can I actually get started? So if you missed that one, please stop this one, go listen to that one and then jump right back over here. So Dexter, how's your week been going so far? It's been good. And I started another new habit. Started another new habit. And if y'all remember, uh, if you around our age, like you remember, like tsunami when it had gun, when um, Gundam used to come on. So like I was on YouTube and I was looking up how like the the figure sets for it, and I actually started buying them and I bought one. And I'm like, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start putting it together or whatever. Like I started on another one. I got started on the body on it. So I got started on that to kind of give me like something to like just do to like de-stress and like get my mind off work for the week. So I'm going to start doing that, see how good I get on it. Then if I get real good, I might start doing like customizations and stuff like that. So Yo, yeah. you, you, yo we're about to get the anime crowd. We're about yeah. to get the anime crowd talking about Gundams and stuff. <laughs> okay, I see. No, that's really cool. And I think like we've been saying, like the pandemic has really – helped mm-hmm. a lot of people find old hobbies and find yeah. new ones. Yeah. So, and, and listen, we gonna, we ain't going to tell them all, but I'm looking forward to this cookbook that you're working on. So <laughs> listen, this, this unscripted cookbook, I mean, listen, that's all we'll say. We won't get into a food uh, conversation right now, but I hope you guys are being able to find different ways to continue to take care of yourself, find ways to practice self-care on a continuous basis. Don't just do it one time a month. Try to make it a habit and a lifestyle so that when things do happen, that you are not uh, caught off guard and have no way of being able to cope. But I know why y'all are here. You're here because we like to have conversations. We like to talk with people about relationships and dating specifically. So we have another great guest. I'm super excited like about this one. And wait till y'all hear what we talk about. So let me go ahead and... All right. So 
Yes, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Elisa Bokeen, and I am a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a sex therapist in Houston, Texas. I practice the Flowanese Healing Center. I'm also the co-founder of Melanin and Mental Health. And a lot of the work that I do individually with my clients is helping them to overcome anything that is blocking them from having healthy relationships, healthy sex lives, so they can have healthier, mutually satisfying, pleasure-filled relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so that is what I do on a day-to-day. Okay, so y'all can probably already kind of guess what we're going to talk about. But before we get there, pump your brakes. Let's, let's, let, let's, talk, let's get to know our guests a little bit more. So when you're not out here um, in the clinical field, what do you like to do to just let your hair down, relax, and enjoy yourself? This is going to sound really boring, <laughs> but I'm going to be honest. I love watching reality TV. <laughs> I watch probably way much reality TV at the end of a long day of seeing clients. I'm going to be watching something on Bravo. So okay. judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> no, no judgment. Okay. Judgment free zone. Have you seen The Circle? On Netflix. I heard of it. I saw it on Netflix, but I haven't watched it. Yo, that show is crazy, but it's funny, it's cheesy, but it's good all at the same time. I've never had like such a like, I'm not gonna really like this show. I'm coming into it not liking it, but it's reality TV. How can you not love it? So uh that's cool, cool. Watching the TV, uh watching reality TV. So I'm I'm gonna ask another question and I've got a lot of side eyes. I've got, uh, let, let's cut this question because sometimes it could uh, be viewed as a little bit personal, but I'm going to ask it. You don't have to answer. So what is on your Netflix or Hulu watch list? What's on my <laughs> Okay. The last thing that I like binge watched was um, canine intervention on, on Netflix. So it's this guy in California who's kind of like, did you ever watch The Dog Whisperer? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So this is, um, I think he's from, where is he from? I don't know. He's from California and he's basically doing the same thing. And so I have a dog and I thought like after watching, binge watching that season, I went and bought all the dog treats and all the things that I was going to do to train my dog. <laughs> You know what's so funny? I, I, I be watching The Dog Whisper and I go right outside and try to do the stuff. I'm like, it doesn't work when you do it. You said if I assert my authority or get low to the ground to where they can understand that we're part of the same pack, that it will work. No, my dog is looking at me like, what are you doing? And then continues to bark at every, every single person that passed. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm learning to live with it. So that's, that's cool. So one last question. So before the pandemic has stopped a lot of people's ability to get out and about the way we normally would because of travel restrictions and closures of capacity of a lot of um, restaurants and just places that we used to hang out at. So once you feel like it's safe to go out and maybe travel again, where's one place that you would like to go? I love the beach. So for me, the beach is where I want to go. Anytime I have an opportunity to go out of town, I'm looking for the beach. You know, you, you would think that, okay, you, you go there all the time, go check out the mountains, go <laughs> check out something. But 
I love being at the beach. One of my favorite places to go is um, in Honduras. There is an island called Roatan, and it's like really close to Belize. Gorgeous, gorgeous place on earth. Anytime I get an opportunity to go there, that that's where I want to go once everything calms down a little bit more. I'm still not ready to hop on a plane and get out of the country. Wow, that's that's funny. That's funny because my sister-in-law actually uh, did her PhD in marine biology and spent her summers in Rotan, and she yes. studied the sea turtles there. She yes. had some really uh, crazy stories about being out there. Uh, I have to get her on to talk about some of them sometimes, <laughs> but I would definitely want to go to Honduras for sure. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit about yourself. Um, so that our audience could get to know you a little better. But I'm excited to get into this topic. Um, I think it's one that you almost cannot bypass when you're talking about dating and relationships. And we're talking about sex. And, and for the most part, um, everybody is aware of it, but so many people are not as willing to talk about it, at least not in social settings, amongst their friends, amongst family for sure. But one thing we know is sex is very powerful. For one, the media definitely uses sex appeal when it wants to get a product out there and in front of a large audience at a fast rate. Mm -hmm. As, the, as uh, the industry normally says, sex sells. And I don't think sex is bad. I think sex is a wonderful thing, but we don't really like talking about it. A lot of people aren't as educated on it. And for... For the most part, some people just aren't comfortable with it, even sure. though it's a natural part of our experience. And so when we're talking about sex, one thing that comes to mind is when we're children, we are always asked or is brought up sometimes, like, what do you know about sex? Mm -hmm. I remember when I was older, asking some of my friends, like, hey, did y'all have the sex talk? Some people are like, no, what, what is the sex talk? Some people have secret code name like the birds and the bees. It, it comes in a many different ways. So my question is, is the sex talk as a kid, as, a, as children, as we're growing, is it really as important as people make it out to be? Or is it just one of those things that is nice that it happens and it doesn't matter if it doesn't? I think it's, it's essential. Like it's something that you have to have with your children. And I think what, what kind of trips us up is that we think it's a talk. Like you gotta sit down and just overwhelm your child with everything there is to know about sex. And that's where I think we get it wrong. People will often ask me, so when do I start talking to my child about sex? And it's like, well, when do you start talking to them? I think the, the problem is we when we think of talking to them about sex, we're thinking of the act. Versus it starts from the beginning. This is your nose. These are your eyes. That's your penis. This is your vulva, right? Like sometimes we just have a hard time even giving children the proper names to their genitals. And so from a really early age, we start to disempower them, especially girls, girls, especially, you know, they'll, they'll have nicknames for their genitals. Um, there's just, you're communicating something to your child if you can't communicate about sex, right? They're either going to interpret it, there's something shameful, we just didn't talk about it, what have you. So if the sex talk starts at a very young age, giving them the proper name of their genitals, teaching them about consent and body autonomy, like from a really young age. I don't know about you, 
But the way that I grew up, it was like, if you're going to be respectful, come in, give everybody a hug. And maybe you don't want to give that stinky uncle, or, you know, like somebody a hug. But that's like what we start to, to how we start to disempower our children from a really young age. Like you have to give so-and-so a hug and versus them tuning into themselves and like, what's okay, what's not okay for me. So that's consent, right? So we start to have these conversations at a really young age. It's also so important now because if you're not talking to somebody, if you're not talking to your kids about sex, I guarantee you somebody is talking to them. And now with kids having access to the internet and to like everything is just a click away, younger and younger children are being exposed to porn at really young ages. Um, and so you can have all of the filters set up in your home, but they get to school and, you know, Johnny doesn't have those filters on his phone. So it's essential that we talk to our children about this. Absolutely. And especially just also coming from a clinical perspective, that question of when, when do we talk about it? But also, I love you mentioned the code names. And, and what happens a lot of times if something happens and they tell, let's say they do what we say. If someone touches you, tell an adult. Let's say they do that, but they have a a, a nickname for it. So-and-so touched my fire truck. Right. The teacher right. isn't going to know what they're talking about. All the while, they're doing exactly what their parents told them. If someone touches you here, say something. Right. And that's how sometimes the language um, being able to use the, the real biological names for them can be really empowering and keep people safe. So Dexter, did you get the sex talk? And if so, how did it go? Oh, I got it. I, I got it. I got it. I remember being seven and my mom was like, hey, you need to have a conversation. And I'm just like, why? And, you know, even at the age of seven, like I knew what sex was, but I didn't know everything that it entailed. I didn't know everything that it was. I, I didn't know. And my mom, like, she just kept it really simple. You know, like, okay, this is your penis. Women have a vagina. And this is what happens when a man and a woman love each other. Like she went through all of that and she kept it as simple as possible. And I understood, but she, at the same time, she didn't overwhelm me, which I, I appreciated. And, you know, I think one thing that we've talked about is like how important consent is because we have so many children who are uncomfortable with giving hugs to, like you said, like they're uncomfortable giving hugs to that little sticky uncle over here in the corner under the shade she with the beer can. Like they don't want to go run over there and hug him because they don't have a relationship with him, right. you know, and running or over to hug. Uncomfortable. Right. 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 And these, and these kids are like uncomfortable doing that. And then when they grow up, they think that, they have no idea what consent is for themselves. And they get in these uncomfortable situations. They don't know how to gauge them. And then now you have all these adults who don't know how to set boundaries for themselves, both sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally. They don't have any idea what boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And so with that, my question is like, what, what is sex positivity? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so sex positivity is essentially to be a sex, so I consider myself a sex positive therapist, a sex positive parent. And that is the idea that sex inherently is a good, healthy thing that, you know, it doesn't have to be something that we're ashamed of. Um, consent is certainly a part of sex positivity. Um, it's just the, it's the notion that 
humans want to have sex because it feels good and that's okay, right? Um, so that's really like if I was going to boil it down, that's essentially the attitude of sex positivity. Also that there are um, different sexual expressions and that we honor that and that we respect, you know, everybody has different, um, the different sexualities and that we embrace all of that as well. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. And y'all know my brain be going two different ways sometimes. I hate that it does that. Like I'll be thinking something that I'm like, what, what about this and this? So naturally people think of sex involving two or more people. I want to focus, let, let's narrow the conversation a little bit more and let's just talk about individual like me, myself and I, because a lot of times people put so much pressure on the other person when yeah. they think of sex and that can add a lot of pressure and undue strain. So I want to just like, as we're talking, kind of like, let's focus just on a personal kind of thing. Cause I think that's the only thing we can really control um, is our, our views, how we express ourselves and so forth. So I have another question. So what are some of the external factors that are around us in society, whether it's in our upbringing, that can tend that can tend to lead us or uh, have us shift to a more negative view of sex. Oh my goodness, there's so many, right? It starts in the home. Like, what was the attitude around sex in the home? Um, did religion or spirituality play a role in that? And what was what was the message? What was the message that you got, depending on your gender, right? Like, so. For me, I can tell you growing up as a girl and growing up Catholic and all that that meant, you know, it's like good girls don't do that, right? Good girls don't do that. So you have that, all of the messaging that you get there, and then you get the messaging of what you hear at school, what's in the culture, um, you know, what are some of the ways that, what are the messages that young boys get? What are the messages that young girls get? And where is it being reinforced? I think the other thing to add to that is there's so much misinformation out, out there, you know, that we base our expectations on a lot of misinformation. But I think everything around us, everything around us is gonna impact the values that we take on about sex, the attitude that we take on about sex, if I'm growing up in an environment where I am told from a very young age, sex is bad, sex is sinful, that's shameful, you know, that's dirty, that's nasty. And then I'm expected as an adult to somehow be sexually liberated overnight. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Right. And it, it really doesn't. And like so many people have, for lack of a better, for lack of a better uh, term, like have been completely destroyed mentally and emotionally and sexually because of purity culture sure. and what ends up happening is like you've been told from a young age like don't do that and then like you said when you get get an adult and you get in relationships you get married and all of a sudden you're like you're supposed to turn on this switch on being a sexual person and you can't because you have to completely destroy like if you're getting married at, at 25 you have to completely destroy like over 17 years of thinking and believing that sex is bad, inherently bad. And now you're having to perform and do something that you can't even mentally do or break down that wall because you have to completely rethink about what sex is now. Yeah. So hold on, hold on. Let's let's stop right there because that's really big. It, it's we We live in a society where 
um, we are as children given moral standards to live by. Mm-hmm. Like very, like we are not just born with the whole complete download of our moral principles. We they are given to us by our immediate family, our family mm-hmm. of origin, and from there we start to develop our own ideas about what it is that we learn. So when you when you talk about the whole, and this is really popular, I think, um, in religious circles, this whole idea of sex, even though it's it can be glorified, it's demonized before a certain point. And the thought process that it's just supposed to flip a switch is really hard for a lot of people. Let's, so here's something that is really challenging for me. It's what is that thought process where, okay, um, hmm, I want to put this correctly and not just put how it's flying out of my head. So when we when we look at sex positivity, but we've been indoctrinated in a way to think a certain way, how is like what is the dissonance between now I feel like I should be free, but I can't be free? What do you see that mm-hmm. dissonance being? I think it's just I think it's like anything else when we come to a point in our lives, because this is what to me adulthood is, right? I feel like growing up, our caretakers, our parents, they do the best that they know how, right? Like they can only take it so far in life. And then it's like, all right, they pass the baton. And some of us maybe are more limited than others, depending on how, what they were able to offer us. And so when when I see people, when I see people show up in my in my office, it's because they're struggling then at some point to just enjoy a healthy sex life. A lot of the times it's because they're partnered up and the person that they're with, they're not able to connect with them and it starts to cause problems in their life. So that's like that is that is when we're presented with an opportunity to really go back and to evaluate and explore what did I grow up believing, right? Like, where does this, where does this shame come from? This idea that like, oh, that's nasty, that's dirty, I don't wanna do that. Like, is this, is this my belief or where did it come from? And if it came from somewhere else, well, where did that come from, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of like the invitation that we are given anytime that we're struggling with something or we're limited. It's like, all right, explore your beliefs. And it could be that you go back and you're like, yeah, that is what I believe. This is what I believe. Okay, well, now I have more conviction about what I believe. Mm. But if I, but if it's like, well, no, I don't actually believe that. What are some other ways to look at this? My big thing with religion, you know, it, because that is something that I will see a lot is, is this idea. It's dirty. It's nasty. And I, I, the way I look at it, there is a power greater than me that designed my body, right? And I think vagina owners in particular, right? We have a clitoris, right? The clitoris sole function is to give you sexual pleasure for you to experience. That's it, that's all it does, right? Men have penises, y'all have a bunch of different functions for it, right? Like you can make babies with it, you can urinate with it, it brings pleasure. But the clitoris, that's all it does. So the way that I look at that, I'm like, okay, I was designed by a power greater than me to simply enjoy that sexual pleasure, then how, how, then that tells me that that's my divine birthright. Mm. 
right? To also experience pleasure and to create it and for it to be shame-free. But it's it's the undoing, just like anything else. We have to do that. And we have to learn other scripts and conversations like the ones that you're having right now. This is how we start to change it, by having the conversations. Got you. I mean, that's, and that's, that's amazing, because like it's just... <laughs> I, I love what you said about it being a divine birthright because that was your like it was created for that very purpose. Like that's what it's there for. Yeah. No other function but that right there. And so many of us don't that grown up in a, from a religious background don't understand that you have a divine creator that created you for this purpose to actually enjoy it. Yeah. Like I know for me, like as a poet, like one of my favorite books of the Bible is Songs of Solomon because you know you read it, you start like, oh wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> a little hot. Uh, you talking about her what? And running through a field in the it looked like grass. What? What is this? You know? And it's just like wow. Like this. This is in here. Like yeah. it's amazing. It's beautiful. Sure. And, and like it's just it's amazing how like you 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 broke down like the idea of shame and having to unpack all of that shame. So like, what are the challenges that a negative perspective of sex has on your life that you've seen? Oh my goodness, so much. I see people struggling every day. So this is why I am so passionate about the work that I do and helping to liberate us sexually from, helping to liberate us from shame sexually, um, from sexual shame is because the thing about shame is the more shame you can feel, the more you can be controlled, right? The more easily shamed you are, the more you are easily controlled. And so I will see people struggling all the time because let's say their sexuality or their desires, they don't fit into this neat little box that they were told they have to fit in. And that causes them to either live in fear, live in shame. Shame causes us to hide. Shame causes us to um, not be fully honest. We can't show up fully ourselves and honestly and in our integrity when we are struggling with shame. So if I have a negative upbringing about sex, one, it also can limit my my impact my health. My my if I'm struggling with something. Um, you know, with my sexual body parts and I'm ashamed of it and, and it's dirty and I don't want to talk about it. I may not talk to a girlfriend like, hey, this is going on. I may not go seek out um, the, the, the care of a medical professional. So there's so many negative implications because we are essentially sexual beings, right? Like we, that doesn't mean, okay, all we are going to do is have sex all the day, day long. What I mean is like we are sexual beings with sexual body parts. And so this is an integral part of our being. If we can't accept that and, and embrace that and celebrate that, we're limiting ourselves. We can't show up fully in our lives. Mm, and that's big, showing up fully. And, and denying certain parts of us that is natural does not allow us to be our like I like to say, our complete and authentic self because there's a, a place that we're trying to hide based on what we may be thinking about that area of our lives because it, it may not go with what culture says is is should be or what our family says or mm -hmm. anything of that nature. That's really good. So one of the big things that 
I think I'm starting to really lean towards in this whole just relationship self-love journey is what does it look like for me apart from somebody else? Apart from what does my love journey look like uh, even if I don't have a partner to start expressing or practicing some of these things? So what does the process look like of just self-discovery and exploring your own self sexually? What does that look like? I think it 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 can it starts with curiosity, right? Like if you can take a stance of curiosity and it may be that you're not ready to explore your body right away or maybe you're not you're not ready to explore your genitals right away. Okay. Meet yourself where you're at. Part of what we're doing is we're looking at those messages, where is this coming from, et cetera, et cetera. Um so really challenging those messages. But also like get to know your full body. I mean, we have millions of nerve endings throughout our entire body. So exploring your body, getting to know your body, getting educated, right? Like getting educated. How does my body function? What do these body parts do? I think if you can think of it as really getting to know yourself and be more comfortable in your body, this is key. Like this is key. Again, one for your health, and two, the more you get to know what feels good to you, the more you get to know what turns you on, that is that is such important information for you to be able to share with your partner at one point. Too often I find, um, I find this a lot with women also. And I think that's because we are so disempowered from being sexual at such young ages where um, they may be struggling with sex with their partner and it's like, well, what is it that like that you like? What is it that turns you on? Well, I don't know. Like he should know, right? Like he he, he doesn't, right? <laughs> like, you don't, or he or she, right? Like the the idea that your partner should understand your body and your wants and your desires better than you do. No, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to have this information so that we can then share it with our partners. Man, that's great. It's it's like. Um just learning. It's, it's just learning, learning about you. Like so many people don't know who they are, what they are and how they function outside of the workspace, um, my role in a family, my role in society. Like who are you aside from all of that? And I think our sex, our sexuality is such a big part of us. And for so long, so many of us have denied it because of one reason or another. So Dexter, what do you think the, what do you think the dating space, the relationship space would look like if people had a more positive outlook on sex rather than it being a tool to get something that you need or um, a way to shame somebody? What do you think the relationship and dating space would look like? I think what will happen is we will have more people who are more self-aware and they'll realize the importance of like they'll realize what their boundaries are they'll realize in the, the spaces in which they're able to be seen in places, and they'll realize the spaces in which they're vulnerable. And you know, you'll be able to gauge the kind of partner that you want and need based on that. Because like you said, so many people use it for shameful purposes. Some people use it for an act of gain. And you know, a lot of us don't have a clear depiction of what we want sexually, because to be perfectly honest, I think if we look at it across the spectrum, like you'll begin to see like a lot of people are understanding sex only based on what somebody else is wanting. 
what, what they want. And so now you have all these sexual chameleons running around just imitating what somebody else wants. And you don't even know what you want. It's just based on what they want and what they need and what they like and what they, everything's based on them. And now we have we even have a lot of people who are sexually codependent based on somebody else because you don't know what you like. You have no idea. And I think with that, if we understood that from a positive standpoint, understood, you know, the the beauty of what sex can be when it's done the correct way, you know, based on what on who you are and what you want, then I think we'll have I'll see a lot more people. We'll definitely see that divorce rate go down for sure. And, and what's so funny is, like we say it all the time, conversations are powerful. And that really it changes the needle. One of the things I hear a lot in the relationship space is this idea of sexual incompatibility. Mm. But when you get down to it, very few people are actually talking out and communicating about what they need, want, and desire. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, what if when people were either dating or start getting deeper into a relationship, what if that was a conversation that was not viewed as, oh, you're trying to be thirsty or or you're you're fast or anything like that. But it's as it's as common as where do you see yourself being professionally in the next five to 10 years? Do you want children? Do you like to try? If it was as common as those, now it doesn't seem so stigmatized and it becomes part of the gathering of information mm -hmm. and you get a better snapshot of the person because you may find somebody who isn't into the same kind of sexual things that you are. But guess what? If you talk about it ahead of time, now you know that, hey, this is something that's really important to me because I know myself. Mm -hmm. I won't go down that road. Right. No offense to you. It's just not for it's me. Not me. So mm -hmm. I think that conversation we can take because we live in a very hyper sexualized society Completely. where where sex is. Um, just so out there, but the context behind sex is not there. It's just, this is how we use it. This is what it is. We push it in front of you. So we're going to go ahead and transition into our final segment, which is Flip the Script. And Flip the Script is the segment of the show where our guest provides a simple tool or strategy for how to deal with a situation challenge or just give us some tips on how to deal with something that we talked about in our episode. So you ready for your question? I'm ready. All right. So someone may be listening to this and they may be like, wow, I have been very sexually unaware and I'm very uneducated and I have no idea where to start. How can we be how can someone start to be more comfortable talking about sex as well as being able to get the education they need around sex? Yeah, I think the way you get more comfortable is by doing it. Right. Like so having conversations like the ones that you're having right now, um, getting having more resources that are are based on fact right, and not somebody's opinion and not some antidote and all that stuff. Um, it, it's you got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. That's just the way that it is. And I think giving yourself like some grace and some time, it's risky to do something that we we're raised to think is taboo. It's risky because we always want to feel like we're excelling at things. And so give yourself some time to just learn and to grow. Your sexual self will continue to evolve for as long as you're around. If you can think of it in that terms, I hope to continue evolve. I hope to continue learning. You know, I'm a sex therapist, but I know I haven't learned everything there is to know about sex. Like, that's going to be pretty sad when you get to that point. Like, nope, learned it all, right? Like, 
And so I think if you can allow yourself the grace to continue learning and make these conversations with people who, number one, are not going to shame you. That's the biggest thing about having conversations about sex, whether you are engaging with it, like you're listening to somebody or you're um, talking to somebody, making sure that they're not shaming you and you're not shaming them because that's going to shut down the conversation really quickly. But you got to get uncomfortable and just do, just do the, have those conversations. Seek out the resources. They're out there. They're, they are out there. Wow. <laughs> Yo, thank you for joining this. Yes. Yo, that was a flip the script. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. I had a great time talking to the both of you. So please let everybody know where they can find you on the internet and social media. Yes. So you can go to my website, flowandeasehealing.com. And right now I have a free pleasure meditation that you can download. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook um, at Elisa G. Bokeen right there. And also if you are looking for a therapist, a Black Latinx therapist, we connect um, Black Latinx communities with Black Latinx therapists. You can find that at melaninandmentalhealth.com and follow us also on Instagram, Facebook, Melanin and Mental Health. All right, yo. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Ugh, I got tongue tied. Thank you for joining us this week. Desha, how'd you feel about this episode? I feel good. I feel I feel empowered to help other people realize, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable with the things, but definitely brave enough to have those conversations. And it's definitely. So please head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, comment, rate, subscribe. If you're in podcast land, please head on over to YouTube at Love Unscripted HD, and that's where you'll be able to see the full episode, the full video for this show. So we thank you guys for joining us. Yo, we don't have all the answers, but we will have the conversation. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.